The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Diane Abbott is a Labour Party MP. She has been suspended uh, by the party in the UK, I'm talking about, because of a letter she wrote to the Observer. And in the letter, she talked about the experience of some white groups. She mentioned specifically travellers, the Irish, Jewish people, people with red hair, and that while they know discrimination, they do not know discrimination or racism on the level that people of colour know. That is something that has lived day in, day out. Uh, James O'Brien is an LBC broadcaster and he is with me now. James, I mean, there's quite a lot to uh, unpick um, (laughs) in what she had to say. We might start with... The fact that she includes redheads up there alongside people from the Jewish community. Yeah, I, I mean, you read it two or three times, Kieran, thinking that you, you must have made a mistake or, or that you must have misconstrued what was intended. And and then you realise, no, she she really has gone there. She suggests that the prejudice that Irish people or Jewish people or, or members of the travelling community suffer is more of a piece with what redheads suffer than with what what black people suffer and you know while the the labor party has been accused in recent years of operating a sort of hierarchy of racism caring more about accusations of anti-semitism or instances of anti-semitism than it does about other forms of racism it's it, and I, I say this cautiously but it's 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 impossible to work out what point she thought she was making um yeah i it, uh, I, I don't think you were the only person I've like like you I, I read the letter several times like people getting yeah. in touch with us here they read it several times um, and understandably Jewish communities and Jewish representatives bodies as well in the UK were quick to criticise her well as, as, as you'd expect it, it is indefensible so I, I, I mean the, the, the inquiries into anti-Semitism under Jeremy Corbyn who of course would have made Diane Abbott Home Secretary in the event of of the unlikely event of him winning a general election, um, they they found that the, it, it has been, if you like, weaponized. So people who had a problem with that administration, with that leadership, would perhaps exaggerate the the, the strength of feeling about instances and accusations of of anti-Semitism. So you know, it is a complicated territory. But this is, I mean, it's it's. It's a it's a letter, a short letter, shortish letter that accounts for discrimination against Jewish people historically, without mentioning the Holocaust, and and accounts for racist discrimination against Irish people uh, historically, without mentioning well, y- you name it. You, you, your your listeners will be better qualified than I am to comment on the history, mm. but you know whether it's the posters in the windows saying "No dogs, no blacks, no Irish," which were around when my dad. Was was looking for digs in the nineteen fifties, early nineteen sixties, or, or I mean, or whether you take it right back to the famine, it's it's just it's just quite spectacularly stupid, as well as as well as unpleasant. Yeah, it, it, stupid in a political sense. Though I wonder, to a degree, well, is, she, is, she, is she right when it comes to the Irish? I mean, the, there, there's no shortage of outrage here among some people, but sure. it kind of falls into this category of, of of complaint or this rhetoric we often hear in this country which is that you know the irish people are kind of uniquely placed amongst the peoples of the world to to understand the the horror of the african yeah. slave trade because we were slaves too and like that's nonsense 
That is oh, just I, I, abject nonsense, no, isn't I it? Don't, I don't, yeah, of course it is. I don't, I don't buy that. There's, um, I can't, I'm not going to remember his name now, but there's a, there's a brilliant fellow who I think is a librarian in Limerick who puts together a superb um, account historically on Twitter of why that is, a, that is a ludicrous parallel to draw, and one that's, of course, often deployed by racists. It's deployed yeah. by racists and white supremacists saying, why are you making such a fuss about enslavement of black Africans when it happens, it happens to Irish people too? It didn't. If you look at the plantations, it, there's a massive difference between slavery and indentured labor. And, and the, you know, these, these are, it's important that these things are pointed out, but it's also, I think, important not to give too much oxygen to the kind of people that make these arguments. That, that, I mean, it, I wouldn't go so far as to say she had a point or that she intended that, but I suspect that the subtext and the fellow who wrote the article, the original article um, to which she was responding in her letter, he, he made the point in the New Statesman magazine yesterday that she's it, it, she's essentially saying it can't be racism unless it's prejudice plus power. So you can certainly make a case perhaps for arguing that the um, Irish don't lack power anymore mm. in, 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 in the United Kingdom and most obviously in Ireland. You could possibly even extend that to Jewish people. I think you'd be wrong to try, but quite how you would apply that to the traveller or the Roma community, the idea that they um, they can't be victims of racism because they, they can only be victims, they have power uh, as opposed to merely receptacles of prejudices. It's just stupid, you know. It, it is. It is. It is. It's. It's frankly breathtaking. And I don't know if if, if you're interested in this, but one, one reason why I've spent more time than I should have done wondering whether I'd missed the point was actually because the Observer newspaper missed it as well. They, they just had it tucked away in the back of the book on their letters page. When you wake up this morning, and it's front page news on every newspaper in 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 Britain. And so I, I suspect someone on the letters mm. desk at the Observer is in for a bit of a rocket as well. But it's a mark of how mad the whole the whole saga is, you know? I mean, the, you know, there's that thing that's often said about the DUP, that they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. I mean, that, 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 that's another element of all of this, isn't it? Because, you know, in the days after uh, the deputy prime minister has been forced to resign uh, in, in scandal yeah. you've got the actual prime minister is the subject of is he one or two separate investigations uh yeah. now himself and instead we're talking about the labor party and anti-semitism again yeah and you've got the head of um burberry standing up at a big business meeting today and hitting rishi sunak over the head with brexit so there should be loads of stories in the news embarrassing the government and yet up pops diane abbott to resurrect the, the, the ghost of Corbyn era anti-Semitism. Th- th- I mean, it is worth making the point that she was suspended from the Parliamentary Labour Party in, in nanoseconds and that attempts by right-wing media in, 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 the, in, in the UK to, to whip it up even more and to try to turn it into a problem for Labour, I think they've been completely scuppered. I think they failed completely because if you compare how Keir Starmer deals with trouble in the ranks, now to how Rishi Sunak deals with with trouble in the ranks, then you're essentially comparing the the you know the handling of of Dominic Raab with the handling of Diane Abbott or or Jeremy Corbyn, neither of whom are currently members of the Parliamentary Labour Party. Whereas it takes months for any Tory to face any sanction at all under Boris Johnson. Of course, none of them ever did, and when when they finally do. It's uh, it's it's mealy mouthed. It's it's cloaked in the language of bogus victimhood. And Dominic Raab, of course, remains a Conservative MP. He he moves to the to the backbenches, whereas Diane Abbott, I, I don't hold me to this, but I'd be surprised if there was a way back in for her. Uh, which is, I mean, you know, a lot of people over here might not be that familiar with Diane Abbott uh, mm. uh, uh, or her 
career. I mean, for somebody who has a fairly blemish-free record when it comes to battling racism and discrimination yes. and prejudice, I mean, it's a kind of an inauspicious end, if that's what it is. It's, yes, it would be unfortunate, deeply unfortunate. I think she was the, the certainly the first black female MP. She, she was a pioneer in many ways and, and a tireless anti-race campaigner. But that, that's that's the scale of the of the foot-in-mouth moment. That's, that's too kind, actually, the foot-in-mouth moment. That's the scale of the shameful language that she deployed. And the apology, of course, which we haven't mentioned, claimed that the, this was a first draft that was sent in error. Now, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I, I tend not to put really <laughs> stupid stuff like that in any draft at all. The, the idea that that would somehow be a defense had a real dog-ate-my-homework kind of well, it, it was like it. Boris Johnson's two columns, uh, one you know that yeah. uh, one of which, of course, was just fake. He he always writes a second column from the other point of view, it's just per- to kind of bounce ideas normal. around. It's all perfectly normal behaviour. Yeah. So I, I I mean also from Keir Starmer's point of view, I don't know what he would gain by letting her back into the party unless she undertakes a mayor culpa on a on a scale that Jeremy Corbyn signally refuses to do. Um, all of his apologies always have the word but written in 10-foot-high letters. To, to be fair to Diane Abbott, there were no buts in her apology apart from the but I didn't mean to send it. She was unequivocal in her um, disowning of the language that she used in, in, in the extent of her apology and in her expression of, of regret and shame. But if you're Keir Starmer and you're looking at this, I, I think if you were to be entirely cynical or, or um, entirely political about it and, and to leave all emotions and history of Diane Abbott at the door, it's very, very hard to see what possible benefit there would be in him letting her back into the parliamentary party. Well, then a, a word then before you go, James, on, on mm. Keir Starmer himself. I think it, it's bang on three years. Uh, it was April 2020 when yes. he took over the party. So in, in the same way that people over here maybe are not exposed to the, the, the life and times and the career, the legacy of Diane Abbott, people here are not necessarily paying uh, attention to the minutiae of kind of opposition politics in the House of Commons. How do you assess his performance over three years and where Labour find themselves now? He hasn't done anything wrong, which is, it's easy to forget what a big deal that is in, in the context of his predecessor. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't done much spectacularly right either. But we're still, we're still a good year and a bit out from any sort of general election. The poll lead has been mighty. Rishi Sunak has has narrowed it a little bit, but he remains. I mean, that, you know what it's like to be in opposition in this country, to be the Labour opposition in this country. I think I've seen it described as trying to walk across an ice rink holding a Ming vase when you've got this sort of lead in in the polls and you've got a print media in Britain that is, I mean, not just uniformly biased against Labour and, and, and pro Tory, but increasingly vicious and delusional in its support for. Boris Johnson in in particular, but for Brexit and the Tory party in general. So there are many, many odds stacked against him. Mm. There is a fear creeping in for me, and I think for, for, for many other people sort of traditionally sympathetic to um, to more left-wing politics, there there is a fear creeping in that he's being too careful and that he is possibly bending over a little bit too far to avoid the inevitable attacks from from the corners of the media that that, that will never so, so not really. not not quite tony blair's deal with rupert murdoch well, but just no, trying but to I avoid asked, their ire I, if you'd allow me to name drop shamefully oh, i did ask on. i did i did ask tony blair about that a couple <laughs> of years ago on my on my full disclosure podcast and and you know 2020 hindsight is a wonderful thing but he did say that 
certainly in the context of the male, actually, I think even more than Murdoch, that, that he felt perhaps they had bent over too far to secure those endorsements. But that, that, that creates the counterfactual of whether or not they would have romped home in 97 with quite the majority they got if, mm-hmm. if he hadn't managed to reach some sort of truce with traditionally rabid right-wing newspapers. It was, no, you're right, sorry, it was, it was more Murdoch than the male, that, that, that accommodation. But I don't think there's any chance of Starmer doing that. His best bet is business. His best bet is to have warm relationships with business who won't then be spooked by potential policy. I don't think, I, th- I think the days of, of, of a Labour leader Coming to a sort of accommodation with 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 Rupert Murdoch's media are probably probably behind us now because of Brexit. You see, James O'Brien, LBC broadcaster. James, always a pleasure. Thanks a million uh, for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.